everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Today, we are going to be talking about going from the kitchen table to Friday Night Magic. Um, this has been a topic I've been interested about talking about because, you know, especially I have a lot of coworkers and friends who've been interested in taking the leap from the kitchen table to FNM and what it takes to get started. Um, before we get into that, though, let's talk briefly about what's been going on in Magic and what's been going on with me personally. Um, let's see, Oath of the Gate Watch just came out recently, and I do have to say I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of it. It seems to have definitely changed the shape of Standard a little bit. I mean, more so than Battle for Zendikar did when it first came out. Battle for Zendikar... What it really did was change the mana base a lot and went from you know, basically playing good stuff. I mean, that's pretty much all you play. That's pretty much everybody all plays right now. Is It's three to four color mana bases and it's all good stuff that people are playing. And what I've liked about Oath of the Gatewatch so far, I mean, it's only been a couple weeks, but I really like how, hey, we're actually seeing new creatures out and about. Um, I really like the additions I've seen in the mono green Eldrazi ramp, you know, with World Breaker or Thought Not Seer. Thought Not Seer, that card right there, that's one that I really, really like. Um, it's the, hold on, let me pull it up here real quick. Thought Not Seer, Thought Not, Thought Not, Thought Not, it is... The when Thought Not Seer enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it and exile that card. What's awesome about that? I mean, it it is three, three generic and one colorless mana, so four co converted mana cost. It's it. I mean, it's not that hard to get to four mana that quickly, especially if you're playing ramp. Um, I've seen some lists that are running the mono green Eldrazi or mono green or green splashing red Eldrazi ramp where they're playing a few copies of this. And I mean, come on, a creature that gives you thought sees and you pretty much take any card. I mean, give it to me a lot. I will definitely play some copies. I need to definitely put some copies in my mono green Eldrazi ramp deck. Um, and what I've also seen that I like from Oath of the Gate Watch is not only Oathbreaker, but I'm also really liking um, Goblin Bushwhacker. Um, yeah, Goblin Bushwhacker. No, not Goblin Bushwhacker. I'm Reckless bu Bushwhacker. Duh. And too many same names in Magic. Sometimes I just forget about what's what. But um, no, I really like Reckless bu Bushwhacker. I've seen them. Um, in some Atarka red list, and I'm, I like it. It's pretty dang good card. Um, you know, with its surge cost being one and a red, and giving all your creatures plus one plus zero, and oh, uh, your creatures also gain haste until end of turn. Dang, that's better than I thought. Um, because I thought it was just, and eh, he gets haste. Other creatures ain't gain haste. Damn. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, yeah, I really need to learn how to read magic cards sometimes. Uh, when, um, let's see, another card that I really like is a lot of people's favorite, Storm Chaser Mage. Um, you know, the one and a three flying haste prowess. 
And it's pretty much it reminds me of Monastery Swiss Spears' older brother, pretty much. And the Reflection Mage, ooh, man, that has been seeing the rounds in standard so far. Um, yeah, it's Reflection Mage, right? Or Refraction Mage? Oh my gosh, I'm terrible at remembering names. Well, I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm talking about. The, um... Oh man, this is going to drive me crazy now. What is it? Come on, let's get going and tell me. Reflector Mage, not Reflection Mage. See, I'm really bad at remembering names a lot of times. Um, You know, well, let me just go over Reflector Mage real quick. Reflector Mage... When Reflector Mage, huh, not Reflection Mage, enters the battlefield, return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. That creature's owner can't cast spells with the same name as that creature until your next turn. And from what we've seen so far, especially in Standard, is that's a pretty good card. It's you know it allows your opponents to basically you know not cast the same creature over until your next turn and I mean just as it says duh I mean mm, I don't know I'm th to me this was almost like a little bit of a sleeper card because I didn't pay much attention to it when I was first spoiled and now seeing it in play it's like oh dang it's better than I thought um haven't played too much with it but just from what I've seen on Star City Games opens it's it's pretty good so the two decks I have been rocking in standard has been um, the Mono Green Eldrazi deck. And I've just recently built the Blue Red Prowess deck, the one with Storm Chaser Mage. And so far, I've pretty much fallen in love with the Mono Green Eldrazi. It brings out my inner Timmy, so to speak. I just love being able to, hey, turn five, cast Ugin, or turn five, cast Dragonlord Atarka. And just being able to, you know, really control the board at that point. You know, it's, I've only taken it to my local FNM, so I haven't taken it to any IQs or PPTQs or anything like that. Which I'm hoping to go to some maybe later this month or next month, whichever, whenever I can fit some time in for it, and try taking that deck there. Um, ever since Oath of the Gatewatch came out, though, I have made a few changes. I don't have any Thought Not Seers yet. I do want to put in maybe two to three. Um, not exactly sure if I was going to put in Thought Not Seer. I'm not sure if I would take out the Den Protectors or take out my Oblivion Sowers. Um, my list for Mono Green Eldrazi is not very typical, I guess. Um... I'm running 19 creatures, which I've seen other lists do that, but I'm sort of doing like a combination of not only having Rataclaw Mystic, Jotty Offshoot, and Den Protector, but I'm also trying out Conduit of Ruin, which I found to be pretty good in the deck. It's definitely helped me a lot to where, hey, I'm not, I'm not able to find any Ugins or anything, um, play Conduit of Ruin, oh, I can search my library, boom, Ulamog next turn, or... Not I said Ugin before. I meant Ulamog. Um, and then um, also getting, you know, I still have Dragonlord Atarkas. Um, I'm 
maybe mainly keeping that for my local meta because there's a lot of aggro in my local meta, so really got to keep an eye out for that. And then I did add one Kozilek, the Great Distortion. Kozilek is um, an interesting one. I'm mainly keeping it just for, I mean, heck, not only is it a big body, but I really do like the, you know, hey, I can draw seven cards as soon as I cast it. I mean, even if it somehow ends up getting countered or, you know, destroyed right away as soon as it's on the field, I've got seven cards in my hand now. I've got a much greater chance on my next turn to be able to, you know, change the board out. Um, let's see. And I did have Radiant Flames on my main board and realizing, yeah, I know with having mono green and splashing red, I can only do two damage across the board, which it did help me in a few games when I was up against a Tarka red and or um, token aggro. Um, Kozilex Return seems to be the much better spell now. It's none of my creatures are have less than... Um, five toughness except for you know Rataclaw and Jody Offshoot but by then but by, by the time I'm casting an Eldrazi for seven or greater I don't care about those cards at that point and yeah, the life gain eh, helps a little bit but the, the Jody Offshoot's just really for early aggression um, and that is really the changes that I've done to my mono green Eldrazi I'm Oh, and the sideboard, too. My sideboard is a little, um, what's a nice way of putting this? Not very conducive to what most lists are running, I guess, is a nice way of putting it. Um, I'll just go over my sideboard. I mean, some people may cringe at hearing it, but trust me, it, it's helped me in my local meta. I mean, everybody's local meta is different, so... Don't take my word for it. Desolation Twin. Um, I'm, I still haven't found a use for it yet. I sideboarded because I found it on a list. It seemed good, but I just still haven't found a need to put it unless, you know, having two 10-10 bodies is good. Actually, wait, no, I take the bet. I have been able to cast this one time, and it was against, um, like, an Abzan mid-range type deck. And by the time, by the, when I cast it, the guy just scooped. As soon as I did it. Um, I have one more explosive vegetation, which I'm only running three in the main deck, and I have I'm running three explosive vegetation, four Nessus Pilgrimage, and one Nessus Renewal. Um I have From Beyond. A lot of people are giving me eyebrows about From Beyond. Um that card has definitely helped me in the long run. With it with it being able to generate bodies, it's if I'm if I'm going up against aggro and I know they can put a lot of creatures out on the field because if it's just plain a tarka red we only have maybe one to two creatures and then explosions i can my jotty offshoots and my radical mystics i can sacrifice those but if they're trying to go wide and get either a lot of tokens or something like that i'll get from beyond in and just it being able to produce a body each each of my turns is just perfect perfect and if it comes to a point where Hey, I'm not drawing any of my creatures. Okay, let me sack it, and I'm gonna find the creature I need. Frontier Siege. That's I. I only use cons for it. It's I've only used it just to have more mana in my mana pool. Another Jotty Offshoot since I'm only running three. Another Nissa's Renewal, just in case I need that life gain. Really, Oath of Nissa. I was really, really unsure of doing this. Um, 
Only really wanted it in case I get it in my opening hand. That way I can take a look at the top three cards and reveal a creature lander planeswalker. So, I mean, all three of those would just help me greatly. Um, Outpost Siege? Um, this one is still really up in the air. It, it's helped me once, and that was against a... um. Not really a mirror, but he was more of a slower deck. It was it was like this teamer, teamer deck. I I don't remember. It was it was definitely a homebrew, but it it helped me. Um, I I would I would always pick cons for it, obviously, but you know it's just it just helps being able to dig further into your deck. I don't recommend it. I mean it it has it's been okay. Roast for the obvious, you know, if I need to blow up some ground creatures, since I do have ways to easily get my one mountain I have in my deck. Um, void Winnower for, hey, you know, you don't want your opponents casting spells. There you go. Uh, Winds of Qual Sisma or Cal Sisma, um, prevent all damage. Hey, that aggro deck's perfect. Uh, World Breaker, I only have one of those. I've, I'm still debating whether or not to put World Breaker on my main board. Um, probably after this Friday, I'll determine whether or not I put it in. And last one is still, it's interesting, but. If I can get it out early and it helped me really well, I mean, th this is only so I can produce double mana. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana to your mana pool of any type that land produce. So Zendikar Resurgent. So basically that tells me, hey, my one forest, hey, it's two forests now. So all the lands I have out, it's double the mana. It's I have not tested it out yet. I've tested it online. Um, I tested on Cockatrice, but I have not tested it in my local meta. And I'm hoping, hey, come Friday, it'll help me. So that's it for my Eldrazi ramp deck. Those are all the changes I've made. Um, the other deck I've built and been working on is... Um, I'm not working on It's built, but... um, Is the Blue-Red Prowess. And it is a pretty fun aggro deck. Um... It's only running, it, it's a basic list that it, there's really not much change you'll notice here. It's a basic list running 16 creatures, 4 abbots, 4 jays, 4 monastery swift spear, and 4 storm chaser mage. Um, I've noticed that the deck really depends on you having a really good opening hand. Um, I mean, I you can say that with a lot of decks, but if you just do not have that great opening hand, you're in for a bad time. Um, it runs a lot of cantrips. I mean, stop me if you've heard this before, but it's, you know, it, it's a pretty fun deck. It's definitely um, a deck I would take to FNM, nothing higher than FNM, but take it to FNM where, you know, if I feel like playing a little bit more casually, maybe I don't care about points or winning, you know, cash or whatever. But, um, no, so far, those have been the two decks that I've been focusing on since Oath of the Gatewatch came out. Um... I just recently went to our Monday Night Modern this past week, and I've been pretty proud of myself. I feel like, now, just to preface, I'm still pretty new to Modern, the Modern format. I played it a lot online on Cockatrice, but I feel like that doesn't really give you the correct assessment of how to play that well. Now, you can understand how to play, the lines of play, but I feel like when you're playing with... See, this is this is just this is just my opinion here. It's when you're playing online, I almost feel like you're not gonna get the full effect of learning how to play. And 
Now, all the cards are the same, all the decks are the same, the lines of play can be the same, but when it's you can't see the other person and what they may be thinking about or what they may be doing. They may be, because you can really read, and this is where, you know, poker comes in. I'm not, I'm not a poker player by any means, but I feel like I'm decent, and I'm sure I, w- I do this a lot too, is like when... I can tell when I have a, someone can tell when I have a bad hand because, you know, I make that face like, oh man, what's going on? Or, you know, you're looking at the other person, you can tell like, oh man, they drew this awesome card. Whereas online, you can't really tell that. And that's where I feel like it gets lost in translation from online to paper. Um, I can go over that in another podcast or something. But like I was saying, I went 2-2 with elves on this past Monday and the only changes I made to my deck is I took out two Elvish Visionaries and put in two Essence Wardens, which they did seem to help. I mean, they helped me gain some life when I needed it. And I put in a Nykthos Shrine of Nyx and took out my Okina Temple to the Grandfathers. Nykthos, I'm surprised I didn't put it in before because, hey, Devotion, hey, I can generate a lot of mana. Boom. A lot of Elves on the field. Um... My sideboard still needs work with the deck. Um, my meta is, I mean, just my local meta right now. I've only been to one big tournament, and that was a that was a bust. That's going to be another podcast. But um, my meta right now is just very strange. It's a lot of homebrews and very little. Um, there's probably like a handful of people that really play into the top tier decks, either because they can't they. They can afford it, and the other people can't, but they want to come anyway, which, you know, it's fine. It's I'm still learning everything, and it, and I'm okay with it. So, all right, that's enough about me and what's been going on in Magic, and let's get on to the main topic tonight. So, as I mentioned before, tonight's topic is going from the kitchen table to your local game store, mainly for Friday Night Magic, um... In case you don't know, Friday Night Magic is one of the most popular um, times to play Magic. It's something that Wizards came out with, you know, just to get people together, play some casual Magic. And I think it's been going on for a while now, hasn't it? How long has it been going on for? Uh, I don't feel like searching for it, but yeah, it, it's been going on for a long while and it's just a great way to, you know, get with your local magic community and make some friends and, you know, really learn how to play magic. Take that next step if you're interested in competitive magic. If Now, this is geared towards people who are interested in taking that next step. They want to go from the kitchen table and hey they really like playing with their friends or their loved ones or their kids and they want to take that next step into getting on the ground floor and being competitive you know hey is your goal going to pro tour one day or is your goal to maybe go to star city games open or tcg player event um it's really up to you but your first step should be going to friday night magic it's i equate it to being in martial arts everybody's going to start off as a white belt you're going to start off not knowing anything and so you need to take that same approach with magic as well 
you need to come in that approach. Even if you think you're a good player at the kitchen table, you you're you may not be that good when you translate that those skills from the kitchen table to F and M, because it it can be a whole nother ball field for you, and it also really depends on what you want out of it too. So. The, one of the things I always tell people who are interested in magic is the first thing is to figure out what format or formats you're interested in. Um, and the two formats that there are are limited or constructed. Now, there's other formats associated with those, but limited meaning drafting or sealed. Um, drafting is a lot more common at local game stores. Sealed. Unless there is demand for it, I don't, I mean, especially in my area, this is just going based on my area, um, it's very rare that you'll see sealed anywhere, um, except for pre-release or the once in a great while, hey, there's a sealed tournament, if it's, you know, just casual. Um, but, you know, do you want to do drafting? I I usually mention drafting to new players because it's, it's a place where everybody's on the same even playing field where everybody has to build a deck on the fly. You don't have to worry about investing any money in decks. All you have to worry about is showing up, buying the packs, and drafting. Um, so, and what I also recommend for Limited is actually studying what cards are good. Um, there's a lot of good resources out there that can help you out with, you know, drafting. Um, There's websites that can help you out with it, but I, I don't want to get too deep into that. So that that's just a brief overview of what Limited is. S constructed, those are your um where you build a deck beforehand and bring it to the store. Um, the most popular constructed format is Standard, which includes the most recent sets that Wizard ha Wizards has come out with. And that's the most popular because it's the easiest and cheapest to get into. It's not the cheapest in the long run over the years, but it's the cheapest to get into right in the beginning. Um, and it's personally probably my favorite format. Um, I really, I really do like modern, but standard I'm certain to find is probably my favorite format and just how... I love how it changes, and the meta is constantly shifting and changing. But um, that just so you know, you know, standard is one of the more popular ones. It's easier to get into. Um, there's modern, which is you know does have a higher cost. Um, excuse me, does have a higher cost of entry. Um, it's still it can be played cheaply, but you're not gonna do that well. If you decide to build a, you know, really budget deck. I mean, it, it also depends on your mind. I'm not saying you won't do well at all. But it's just don't expect to, you know, win that much. But, you know, go there to have fun. And modern just entails, you know, every card from... God, when did 8th edition come out? When it, From 8th edition to the latest set now. Legacy is every set in Magic that has come out. There's a ban list for it. Um, and vintage is every set and magic as well, but it has um you know, you can play what they call the power nine. Look that up. It's there's some pretty interesting cards. And then there's EDH, 
which is Commander, a singleton format. Singleton meaning you can only have one of each card, not including your basic lands. And EDH is a little bit more of a casual format unless you have a store that takes it very seriously. So, so like I said, um, I recommend figuring out what format you're really interested in. Um, you know, if you just want to go for a constructed, get into standard. It's it's not by far the most popular one. It'll be easier to find a place, a game store to do standard in than it would be, say, modern, legacy, and especially vintage. Um, modern is getting more popular, though. So be, be cognizant of that. And legacy, while I do find legacy a lot of fun, there is a high barrier of entry in vintage. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> You'll have to take like a you know, really big loan out unless you unless you have the cards yourselves or you don't mind playing with proxies. Um, so, like I said first, figure out what format you're interested in. If you, in my honest opinion and my advice, is I recommend doing limited first. You know, limited drafting, they always do the latest set, so you can, and you keep the cards that you draft. So all the cards that you get, you keep. And then you can use those cards that you got from draft and try to build decks out of them by singles that you need. So, and then, and then you know, after a couple of weeks, hey, you can go play standard. Or if you just want to dive right in, buy an event deck, boom, there you go. Um, event decks are ones that, you know, are their pre-constructed decks. Or you can take an intro deck and make it better. But this isn't a, I'm, I'm not going to talk about, you know, getting deep into deck building with this. But um, the next step is to finding a good local game store or LGS. It's I find I find this to be really important because you not only want to go to a place where you fit in, but go to a place where, you know, the staff are friendly, you know, they always have the up-to-date products, they've got plenty of supply, you know, they got sleeves, play mats, you know, all that stuff. Um, and what I recommend is do research on your area. Wizards has a great store finder they'll tell you all the official stores that do official friday night magic in your area so definitely check that out hit it up um when when i was first trying to get into fnm you know i would call a bunch of stores and you know just ask them like hey you know what's the price of you know drafting or a standard and you know what time do you do it yet you know etc um just call them up and ask them some questions or go there and ask them questions if you know, if you're lucky, you'll find a good store with really good and knowledgeable staff. And, you know, I've been to some stores where it's just like, it's your typical, um, geek fest. And it's your typical, like every stereotype for a nerd or geek that you can think of. But, you know, just go in there and check it out. Ask them questions. Um, Really, do, don't be afraid to ask them questions and ask them, like, hey, you know, are the people around here friendly? You know, even talk to some of the players that may be there and just say, hey, you know, what's going on? Hey, you mind if I watch? And, I mean, most Magic players are happy to bring people into the game. They're happy to talk to you and, you know, say, hey, you know, you know, check out these cards, you know. Just that, that thing, don't be timid timid and if you really want go there on a game night like a friday night or a saturday night and check out what they're doing see what the atmosphere is like is it a really competitive atmosphere because i've been to stores where 
oh man, it is super competitive and everybody's, you know, out to get you. You know, they, they don't give two craps about it. And it's, and it's, it's FNM. It's, it's not that serious. And, you know, I've been to stores where it's just, that just puts me off on a vibe. You know, unless I'm, unless I'm grinding or, um, training for a big tournament, I don't, most of the time when I go to FNM, it's to relax after a long work, work week. And, you know, I, I recommend, you know, checking out on a game night and just see, hey, is it, you know, is it a cool vibe in here? Um, <clears throat> something that's also really important that I recommend, and I don't always follow my own advice on this part, and you can ask my wife about that, because she gets kind of mad at me for this one. Um, set a budget for yourself. Um, when you're first getting into magic and you got the magic bug, it's super easy to splurge. I mean, I don't know how many times where I, I can remember first getting in, I would just buy booster packs like everywhere. Just be like, oh my God, I need to crack packs. I need to, you know, I need to go online and just buy like really crappy booster packs. I remember you know, when I got the, when I got the bug for magic again, I think, um, what came out after Avacyn Restored? Was it M13? Yeah, it was M13, then Return to Ravnica. Someone was doing this really awesome deal for Avnica, Avacyn, well, not Avnica, Avacyn Restored Booster Packs. And they were like $1.50 each, and I bought like 40 of them. I mean, and it was free shipping too, so I'm just like, oh my god. And I had so many Avacyn Restored, and I wasn't even playing Avacyn Restored or not doing anything with them, not drafting, just I decided to buy them. Because I'm like, I need I, I need more cards. I need more cards. You don't understand. Um, as I was saying, set a budget for yourself. If you're strictly interested in just drafting, set aside money for drafts. Most stores charge about 10 to 15 bucks, depending on the location. That may vary, um, you know, especially outside of the United States. And, I mean, the 10, 15 bucks is for three. It, it really depends. I've been to stores where they'll charge 10 bucks and the prize, if you like go three and or whatever, you'll get booster packs out of it. Um, if they charge 15 bucks, you'll get cash back or store credit, however they do it. Um, if you're interested in constructed, only buy singles of what you need. Um, your local game store should have displays of singles or boxes of singles that you can buy um if you're not sure what you want to build go go online and look see what the pro players are playing there's nothing wrong with looking at what you know they're building if you're not completely into net decking which is where you copy a list you know look at other people's lists and get inspired by it that's what i do a lot if i'm interested in playing a certain type of style in a format I'll look at someone's list and I may copy it from the beginning just to test it out. But if I'm like, hey, ha let's try this card out and we'll try it out. And if it seems to fit well, boom, there you go. I just made an alteration to the deck list. And or, you know, you, you don't have to do that. That's just what I like to prefer. I like to get inspired to do deck lists. But as I was saying, if you're really into constructed and when it comes to the budget, is just just buy singles. Um, I mean, there's in, in the end, th this is just my advice. And in the end, it's it's your money. 
if you want to go and buy money on booster boxes, fat packs, whatever, go ahead. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But the common advice that I give and that a lot of people will give is buy the singles that you need. There's you're only wasting your money in the long run if you just keep buying booster packs because there's a high chance you're not going to get what you need if it's one of those chase rares or mythic rares, anything like that. <clears throat> um, another thing that I also tell a lot of people is when you're first going to Friday Night Magic, if especially if you're not you know, completely familiar with the rules. Um, I mean, there's still times where I'm not familiar with the rules. It depends on certain interactions of the cards. Um, one thing that I also tell a lot of people is you will lose. And you will lose a lot. Don't get discouraged by it, though. Because if you're really wanting to take that next step into Friday Night Magic, you're, you have to accept that you're going to lose. And, and it's frustrating. It's so easy to say, hey, you know, it's okay if you lost. It, it's just a game. You know, not, not to everybody. It's, you know, you can say all these mindsets, all this sports psychology, you know, but not to everybody. Sometimes, you know, people just really want to win. And for whatever personal problems or reasons or issues they may have, it's to them, this means something. You know, everybody reacts differently, but it's it's to really get into your head that you are going to lose a lot. And the best thing you can do is just to learn from your mistakes. You don't know how many times where I've played a game and I lost and I realized right after I lost, oh, crap. If I played this card instead, I would have won. Shit. Why didn't I see that before? You know, I it, it really makes you. It, it makes you beat up on yourself and you really feel, you know, like, well, crap, I could have done better than that than what I did. But learning not to do that again will only make you a better player. It's also do not be ashamed to ask your opponent questions if they especially if you get the vibe that they're friendly and all that. Like, I really try to give off the friendly vibe, especially in the newer players. It's if you ask your opponent questions like, hey, you know. I, it, I may have done this, this, or that in the next turn, you know, how, how would you have responded? Or what would you have done? They would have been like, oh, well, I would have lost. Or, or no, I had this waiting in hand. And it sort of just gives you that idea for next time, not when you're facing them, you know, exactly, but for when you're, j just so you know ahead of time, like, hey, if I make this play, they may be playing a kill spell or a counter or just something like that. You know, ask, also ask your opponent, what could you have done better? You know, could I have maybe been more aggressive in the beginning? Should I have held back? Should I have been aware that, hey, maybe there was a board wipe coming? You know, I mean, these are all perfectly valid questions to ask, and don't be afraid to ask them. It's, you know, the, the more you learn, the better you're off. Um, and you can also, you know, if you're not really sure about the deck, if, especially if it's a homebrewed deck or... Or heck, even if it's a net deck, you know, show your opponent your deck and say like, hey, what improvements can I make to this? You know, and just, I mean, don't take their word for absolute final, you know, that that's what you have to do. But just, you know, take it and be like, oh, okay, and, and just be friendly about it. Um, so, 
Yeah, like I said, don't be afraid to talk to your opponent, It, especially if they're friendly. I mean, you will get some people that are, oh, I take FNM completely serious, and I am the better player than you, and you are scum. And those are always never the fun people to play against. Or you get the little whiny 10-year-old kid who just, you know, eh, well, no. No, because actually when I think about it, the mo- most of the 10-year-olds are probably more mature than some of the older people I play against that are, you know, who think they're God's gift to magic. But um, that's beside the point. Um, So, yeah, d- d- it j- just be friendly. Um, Another thing to account for is that this will only come with time, especially especially when you're still learning, is... When, if you're net decking, if you're copying someone's list, the sideboard will not take account for your local meta. Your local meta may be far different than what that sideboard that was built for that tournament. So just be wary that, you know, I'm not saying don't take any sideboard, but take the sideboard that was shown if you want a net deck and just be wary of what everybody else is playing. You know, when you're done with your game, if you lose fast or something or you lose or you win and your match is over and there's still a bunch of people playing, go walk over there and check it out. See what other people are playing. Get an idea for what your local meta is doing. Is it a heavy aggro meta? So, hey, next time you go, do that for your sideboard. Um, you know, is it control? Is it combo? Etc. Um, this next one is, like I said, it's easier said than done, is try your best to be a good sport. And not get frustrated. Like I said, it's super easy to say that. I, I know I've gotten frustrated with losing. And it's I get more frustrated at myself. Because it's, you know, oh crap, I could have done this play better. I could have done that play better. Or I could have killed him in the previous turn. Oh, I should have blocked that creature. Or else he wouldn't have done 30 damage to me in the face. Well, you know, <laughs> I had him down to two life. That has not happened to me before. And I don't admit to that ever happening to me. <laughs> um like I say, it's it, it's it's a lot easier to say don't get frustrated, but just do your best not to get frustrated or openly frustrated, you know. And in, in the end, it's it's a game, and but but it's it's easy to say that, but if you're really wanting to take that next competitive leap, you you just have to face the fact that you're always gonna lose. Even the top pros that play Magic don't don't always have the best win percentage. They lose a lot, and they play way more than the average Magic player does. Um, and losing is just part of the game. You know, luck and variance are just part of the game. You're going to have bad luck. So just, just knowing that fact that you're going to lose and you're going to have bad luck, you're going to get land flooded, you're going to get land screwed, it's it, you just have to deal with it and dealing with it with a good attitude will just make it easier for you um, another thing I recommend to people is watch how your opponent plays especially if they're more of a veteran to the game um, a lot of the things that I remember learning when I was first playing is when people play instance um, you know especially like let's take a look at the classic pump spell giant growth before when before when I was playing on the kitchen tables, you know, just playing with friends or family, 
let's say I go to attack a creature and before they even declare blocks or anything, I would just giant growth during the attack phase. And I would always think, oh, hey, that's good enough. But when I first went to, you know, do drafting and standard and even playing online and standard, I would see people do instants after blockers are declared, you know, and just almost sort of tricking your opponent to me. I never occurred. It never occurred to me in that way. And, you know, just, just little things like that, little nuances of when to play instances or when to play cards, when to put mana down, when to trick your opponent into thinking you may have something. Um, another good example is when I was playing heavy control back in Dragons of Tarkir. I was playing against someone um, who had like, oh, it was at, I was playing against Abzan and I was doing blue black dragons, and it was the third match of the game, and I had countered every single thing he had been putting out, but then after like he had no creatures, we were both going back and forth putting land down. I decided to stop putting land down, keep all. I, and I kept on getting land flooded bad or getting really crappy spells that were just not useful for playing. I don't remember what it was, but I would just keep all the cards in my hand and not play them. Even if they were all land, it tricked my opponent into thinking that I had a lot of counter spells. So he would not play any cards and he eventually just quit because he just kept on drawing into nothing or he was too afraid to play something. So it's little mind games like that. And when you learn and see that other people are doing it, you know, you can start doing the same thing too. It's like I say, watch how other people are playing and just the little nuances you'll pick up on, especially if it's happening to you. So, um, and you know, don't be afraid to ask, you know, especially after your match or maybe after someone else's match that you're watching, don't be afraid to ask them, hey, why did you play that card the way you did? You know, what was the benefit of playing that card the way you did? Um, you know, and, and most of the time they'd be happy to tell you why they did it that way. And just so you know, everyone was new once. Even the best pros of Magic were new at the game, and they didn't know what they were doing. Even if you're coming into the game now, 20 years after its inception, and it's still going pretty strong, you know, if you're coming in now, don't be ashamed that you're new. You know, don't be ashamed that, hey, you messed up. It's It, it happens. I mean, there's still times where... Let me tell you this. If it's past like 11 or 12 o'clock at, at night and I'm still playing Magic, there's a good majority of time where I'm going to mess up bad. Or I'm just going to make really bad calls because I'm just so tired. But you know what? You're just like I said, you're going to make mistakes. Don't be afraid of doing that. Just learn from them. And the last but not least is remember to have fun. If you're not having fun with magic, you're doing it wrong. If you're really interested in taking this to a more competitive aspect, you still need to learn how to have fun. It A lot of it comes down to, you know, it's the old adage of, you know, having a job. My job is still a lot of fun, but it's work. Getting good at magic can be a lot of fun, but it's work. You're going to have to work at it, but it shouldn't be all about work. It needs to be fun as well, um, especially with Friday Night Magic. It's about coming together with your local community and just playing some card games. It, it It's just a lot of fun, and keep it like that because remember, 
Friday Night Magic is more of a casual atmosphere, and I'm sorry if you end up finding a local game store where they take Friday Night Magic super seriously, and it's like a life-or-death situation if, you know, those people don't win or they lose or whatever, and that's just not a good atmosphere, especially if you're wanting to have fun and learn at the same time. Um, you know, I recommend if you if you want to go to a more strict atmosphere or, you know, maybe not so casual, go to t- higher level tournaments than FNM, like IQs, PPTQs, Grand Prix Trials, the likes. Um, like I said, the whole game's about fun. And just keep having fun with it. it and just, just keep at it. Um, I would just like to say thank you for listening. And that's all I have to say for now. Um, you can follow me on at Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. I also have an official Twitter um, for the podcast now is at Magic with Zuby, M-A-G-I-C-W-I-T-H-Z-U-B-Y. And you can also catch me writing articles every so often at mtgzuby.blogspot.com. And I hope you enjoyed listening. And, you know, thanks for listening. All right. Well, thank you. Have a good one, guys. (laughs) 